feel like I'm struggling to breathe. It blew my fucking mind. I don't know whose dick I've got to suck to get fucking respect round here. True Geordie went through incredible adversity to get to where he is today. Depression, anxiety, and he's one of the few people that's willing to tell you about it. My ego was just going fucking crazy. I'm the man. All the worst parts of me amplified. It was, it was better than a drug. It was better than anything. It was like, wow. I would have carried on doing that probably if I hadn't have had a moment of like, boom. It just felt like everything I'd been building to had been like really like fucked up. I know I needed humbled but it was brutal. I literally wanted to kill myself, like, you know, I really, really did. When you love someone more than anything else in this world, that matters more than anything. And where others would have capitalized on a sob story, she was far too precious for me to share. She was mine. She wasn't there for anyone else. She was just my mom. And I miss her every fucking day, bro. But once you give it, there's no taking it back. The day I don't need money anymore, that's gonna be a scary day for the rest of the internet. I don't I don't wanna let the fans down and, and I don't wanna stop doing what they, they love me for, but. True Geordie, Brian. He's one of the real pioneers in the YouTube space. He runs one of the biggest football shows, the biggest podcasts, the biggest boxing shows and much, much more. But he is, at heart, not the guy you see on screen. He is a gentle giant, one born in a council estate who went through incredible adversity to get to where he is today. Billions of views. His conversations seem to sway cultural conversation, but he's still not getting what he deserves, in his opinion and in mine. When you see True Geordie, what you see is this big six foot five guy with tattoos and huge muscles. But when you peel the layers back, you find the total opposite. You find a small kid in there, one that's still living in the council estate in his mind, and one that's missing his mother after her tragic death a few years ago. He's been to rock bottom. Depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation. And he's one of the few people that's willing to tell you about it and tell you about it with full honesty and vulnerability. I've known Brian a long time and I've been so fascinated by him because he appears to be this contradiction. He appears to be someone that does not give a F, but at the same time, he's incredibly, incredibly sensitive. To me, he's the ultimate reminder that we are all a contradiction and that you should never judge a book by its cover. What you're gonna hear today is some stories that Brian has never told, stories that will move you, some that might move you to tears, but also stories that will inspire you and teach you some important life lessons about what it really is to be a human being, scars and all. Without further ado, I'm Stephen Bartlett, and this is The Diary of a CEO. I hope nobody's listening, but if you are, then please keep this to yourself. How would you define and describe the rise of True Geordie. And when I say that, I'm talking about take the me early back days. the early days. Okay. The stuff that made you th who you are today. Um, I'm an opportunistic person. I, 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 when I see a, a tiny little like thing, I just blow it open straight away. So like uh, the first um, thing that happened to me was I made a random rant about a footballer that went viral, didn't really do YouTube at all, just boom. And then loads of people seeing it in the northeast it was like look at this crazy son of a bitch because 
no one really did stuff like that then. I was one of the first guys to do a football rant. I want to go back further. What, really? Yeah. What, further in how? What, like... I want to know the the, the, the the insecure kid on the council estate. Oh, right, okay. Um, kind of sensitive inside, but had to act sort of tough because if you didn't, you would be fucked up, <laughs> like, you know, on the estate. Like, like my shed once got burned down, like set on fire just by some kids just because it was a shed and it was there. You know, like, you had to carry yourself in a certain way because all of our dads were in prison. All of our dads. Like, it was, like, weird. You know what I mean? So we were sort of raising each other. And, like, I was, like, a milk kid at school just because I could, like, drink extra milk and that at, like, <laughs> dinner time and stuff. And uh, I was smart, obviously. I'm, I'm a smart guy. But, like, I was looked upon as, like, a nightmare. Like my, when I was 10 years old, my teacher told my mother at parents' evening, she went, you can just tell when some of them are destined for prison, can't you? You're but like she worded it like that, you know what I mean? And my mom's like, I know exactly what you're saying. But like, it was because I hated her. She didn't understand me, get me. She talked down to me. So being talked down to, that really pisses me off, even at a 10 year old age. Like, I didn't like that. You can win me over and I'll be, I'll be brilliant for you. But just respect this, ask me don't tell me, you know, like even, and I know that's like a naive way to look at the world, but I was 10 and I just had a chip on my shoulder. And um, yeah, didn't like authority. Um, and, but I always was quite like a little bit competitive. Uh, I remember like there was a couple of kids, like just little random memories I have of like, I was fighting all the time, but like, I remember I always thought of myself as one of the smarter lads. And there was this thing about like some sort of, school day where they selected like the brightest boys and the brightest girls and I wasn't selected and I remember thinking I'm smarter than them you know like but I couldn't prove it or whatever or I don't know it was I was in detention a lot I got thrown out of school multiple times once for pissing on the uh the school teacher's lounge window and telling them all to fuck off when I was eight years old one for fighting uh, just, just white, like rebellious, you know, but like, but with a brain and I just needed to like find something. Uh, what caused you to be that rebellious eight year old kid? I think it's genetic a little bit. My dad was a rebellious man, very much so. My mom, not at all. My mom, loving, caring, kind, mother Teresa, my dad, uh, like a punk rocker who wanted to, he like he did mad shit when he was at school. Like he took the whole school on strike once just because he didn't like a teacher. And like he, he was known for like he was thrown out of schools for like beating teachers up and stuff like that. Because when he was like fourteen, violence was his life. You know what I mean? Do you actually think it's genetic? I think that um, yeah. I think I think part of what makes me aggressive is my genetic yeah because even the look i get on my face when i'm about to fight is identical to the look my dad gets like it's that that switch do you know what i mean so i'm lucky that i've got it diluted with the kindness of my mother and i finally managed to channel the aggression into later on in life into like focus into mm. drive into the good stuff you know what i mean but at the time i didn't i was overwhelmed with whatever the fuck was going on in my head. I didn't really know what the hell it was. I had Joe Wicks sat here, you know, the body coach guy. And he um, he told me about his mum and his dad. And his mum was very, very caring and compassionate. Mm. And his dad would punch doll, um, holes in the door. <laughs> yeah. 
every day and you know was violent and abusive mm. and joe wicks has come out as really really compassionate and, and kind i don't know mm. if you know him personally but no, no. even you know uh, during the during the lockdown people saw him doing pee with joe and dancing and doing pee in his, in his room and stuff was that the the guy who went yeah. popular for the pa stuff yeah but he was he was crying oh, and he yeah. was he was up deeply upset that there was a lockdown because it would hurt other people one of the most compassionate people i've ever had met and his dad was from his account uh-huh. very very um aggressive so i've always wondered about these generational cycles whether it's you know i think it's different for different people i personally i believe that there's a cocktail in me that's a real weird mixture of a self-obsessed arrogant showman who was my dad bodybuilder, hard man, went to prison, fighter, and then a woman who worked uh, like looking after people, very caring, compassionate, loving, hmm. charitable, generous, you know, all the good things. And I'm not saying my dad can't be good in any way, but it was just they were very polar opposite people. And for me, I, I see that come out in me. And there's, and there's, there, I believe in both genetic and uh, like the sociology side of it as well. Even any brothers or sisters? I've got a half sister from my dad's side. Yeah. Do you think it makes a difference being an only child of sorts? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Me and Lawrence have had a few conversations about this. He's an only child too. Um, and I think it does make you just live in your own head a little bit, you know. And it makes you like I have times where if I spend too much time around people, I'm like, I need a fucking break from this. Like, I want to be on my own and just listen to music for a bit. I heard you say this thing. Um, I heard you say that people who live in their own heads and think the most are struggle the most. They're the, they're the ones who are most susceptible to depression. I would say, yeah. So take me through the rise. So we, I know everyone. It's well documented how you became to be a YouTuber. Yeah, apologies. I'm just used to rehearsing. Yeah, that. I know. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't, you're the same. Yeah, yeah. You, you tell the story a, a lot that you just <laughs> rolls off the tongue and it loses its emotion yeah. because I've said it that many times. But yeah. So you, 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 you rose as a YouTuber. I want to get to the point where we, you know, money starts coming in. Because mm. for me, 23, 24 years old, when money started coming in, I was going to every nightclub on the weekend and getting five bottles of Dom Perignon. And I was trying to fill some kind of gap in me. Mm-hmm. And from what I saw in your videos, you did a similar, followed a similar well, path. I'd, I'd had a bit of money before YouTube because I was working offshore on the oil rigs, doing me deep sea diving. So that was good money. I was earning about £10,000 a month doing that. And that was a bit of a wild lifestyle because I was young, I was working class, I was surrounded by men who were military men who wanted to go out, beat men up and fuck women and take drugs and and, and get drunk, you know? So I was surrounded, they were my male role models, you know? So it was a crazy lifestyle, that. So that was kind of partly me getting raised by these fucking men around me. And then obviously um, when I found YouTube, it was like a rebirth of like, oh, um, like I, I went in, it's a long story, but I went into a bit of depression coming out of diving and not knowing what the fuck I wanted to do with my life. Cause I didn't know, like I, I knew I didn't want to be a diver anymore. I knew I was done with that. And when I found YouTube, it felt like a little uh, window of hope. And then obviously that took off. And once I, uh, once I started getting money, yeah, it was like, okay, I've I made it because I, I basically gave up on money. I chose YouTube as a path to happiness. That was the idea was give up the money, forget that, you're not happy doing that job. I'd rather make minimum wage doing videos than make six figures doing diving. So I went on that path 
and then I, it dawned on me, oh, I'm going to make more money doing this, actually. Once I, once I was in the thousands a month, it was a bit of a, oh, fuck, like, okay, how do I handle this? And I thought I had a good handle on it. Like, it was little stuff at first, new car, move move house, better place and all that. And then once I came to London, that was when it really went tits up, to be honest with you. I just started spending money like crazy. I bought three new cars in the space of about 18 months. Um, not all together, like one after the other sort of thing, but like... Um, I was able to get things that I never dreamt possible. And that was the moment of like, oh, I can have this. Like, my favourite car ever. Wow. Uh, bought an Audi R8 first. Nice. That went fast. Nice. Nice blue Audi R8. Beautiful. Then I swapped that for a McLaren, uh, which they had the convertible, the roof come down. Oh, I nice. thought I was the dog's bollocks in that. Mm. Especially a guy like me. Like, what the fuck am I doing in a McLaren? You know, it looked ridiculous because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so Bigger huge. Car, and yeah. then I swapped that for a Bentley um, GT, six litre, um, the Continental. Mm. Um, white leather interior, oh. gorgeous. Yeah. I, I, All the, black, wheels black, everything. Oh, it's, it's so <laughs> <nice>. Black and white. <laughs> There's this bit you talked about when you leave diving mm. and you kind of lose your orientation and that gives you minor depression, which is, seems to be so common in people when... They they lose their purpose, mm. and I mean I had Tom Bloomfield sat here as well. And it, was, it was very similar. They lose their sense of purpose in life, their direction. They feel that disorientation. They feel the depression. Then you went after something that you thought would give you like intrinsic internal joy, and then it becomes a, a career. And I read this study which I found fascinating that in um in in psychology, if they give someone a game that they enjoy and they play it, they enjoy it, da, 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 da. And then if they then give them the same game and pay them to do it, they lose joy. Mm. So when you start paying someone to do something that they once did for the sheer fun of it, they lose the fulfillment they're getting from mm. it. I've seen it in boxing and stuff like that a lot. Like the passion goes once it becomes monetary and oblig obligatory, or mm. like, so you have to do it. Mm. It's not, I'm getting up and doing this passion now. And But... <sighs> I've have never lost the passion for video making. That's still there. I love it. Um, but um, yeah, I lost my way. Like this whole thing of doing something for the right reasons. Because I'd never experienced that kind of money before. I, I remember like driving that Audi, the first one, the Audi R8, when I drove that off the parking lot, that was a moment of like, what the fuck? Like it just blew me mind. You know what I mean? The fact that I was able to, to drive a car worth, um, it was worth £100,000. And I paid for it in cash. You didn't? Really? Boom. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> and uh, and I remember just driving it and it was... It, it, honestly, I, I don't regret it because even though it was a complete waste of fucking money and I wasted even more money swapping it for the other two cars, it was a real healthy lesson to learn and get out my system. But... It was like a drug, you know. It was it was better than a drug. It was better than anything. It was like, wow, this is like for me. I don't know what it is about fast cars and the, the look nice and the way you feel when you're in. Just makes you feel like a fucking movie star or something, you know. Um, especially coming from a place where people set fire to your shed because there was a shed, you know. Like nobody had a nice car where I came from, you know. It wasn't. People didn't even have like a Mercedes or a BMW, let alone a supercar. So that was mind blowing. You know what I mean? And they yeah. just, it was too much for us. Just was. 
and I, I, my ego was just going fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm the man. <laughs> you know, all the worst parts of me just amplified. There's, there must be a reason why you got you traded it in so many times, though, right? Yeah, I was addicted to that feeling, the new, the new shit. That that was the oh, but but what if oh? And then I seen the McLaren. I remember driving it into the fucking this supercar place. I looked at the McLaren. I looked back at me Audi. I was like, I don't really. And then I just kept looking at the McLaren, going, "It's new. That's the new shit. The new hotness." And you know, it's ridiculous. Just absolutely idiotic. Never ends. Yeah, I would have carried on. I would have carried on doing that probably if I hadn't have had a moment of like that. Boom, you know what I mean? What are you doing, mate? You know? Health, health, life's good at that. Give you a good slap round the head when you need it. And I really needed it. You know what I mean? Because everything that a man does when he's from nothing, like all these rappers, you know, I was doing the same thing, like spunk money up the wall, buy pointless jewelry, clothes, bullshit like that. Treating people the wrong way, treating myself the wrong way, not looking after myself, I piled the weight on. I think I just skipped like the good years to Elvis at the end. Do you know what I mean? Like I just went full throttle. Um, so yeah. You said boom. Oh yeah, yeah. So I had a bit of a moment where everything was just, you know, came crashing down. There was, um, a lot of people know there was the DMs, but mm. also in the same week, there was the um, the loss of a huge deal. Um, which for anybody that doesn't know the DMs, some somebody leaked some DMs that yeah, some, yeah. some sexual, I had sexual DMs. DMs that yeah, were, were out yeah. there, um, and uh, me being the crazy wild bastard that I was at that moment, you know, drinking a lot, just doing all sort of just fucking lost my way, and then in the same week, I also had a, a deal that was on the table that was pretty much negotiated, done, signed, sealed, delivered, which would have secured my financial future for the next two years with a huge company, big betting company, multi-million pound deal. It wasn't It wasn't just one, you know what I mean? It was the deal. Um, and they had hired a new guy who thought he knew better than the last guy. Um, and he, I think he just like, didn't like me. He also, I think it was partly like, you don't want to carry on the, the work of the guy who, who used to have your job. Oh, so he man. he was trying to find any reason he could to, um, you know, fuck it up. And, you know, he did what he did. We got to a point where I was like, are you going to do the deal or not, mate? Like, and there was, um, I can't go into specifics because I, I agree to, like, keep it, you know, respectful, like, but... There were some things asked of me which were just outrageous and um, we, we, we couldn't move on, basically. And I'm, I'm very glad I didn't because otherwise everything I now have, it might, it might not have ended up that way. Do you know what I mean? When, mm. when you're put in a position where do you want to keep your ownership of things or, or not? You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, that was a devastating blow. And then obviously having people laughing at you for sexual DMs and stuff when, you know, it was, I was drunk as fuck at the time and it was just a stupid moment. But regardless, you know, knowing that there's just such little compassion out there for you when you're having a, a awful time, it really, it, it, it took me, I got from as high as I was, it took us as low as possible in that moment of like, no one cares, everything you've worked hard for, you now don't have. I, I'd literally agreed a tenancy agreement on my flat for mm. two years on the basis that this was all going to be signed. So I'm like, how the f what, 
what the fuck do I do now? You know what I mean? So, and then I was hit with a tax bill that was way more than I could handle as well. Because in my head, it's like, got the cash coming and got the tax bill paid off, man. Don't worry about it. So everything that could go wrong went wrong. And, um, you know, I know I needed humbled, but it was brutal. That was, and, and I know it might sound to some people like out there like, oh, uh, or poor, pitiful, you know, white boy problems and shit like that. But it, I literally wanted to kill myself. Like, you know, I really, really did. Because it, it it was just too much, even for me. Like, and I'm a pretty tough person. It was just, it was awful. Like, the level of abuse and ridicule I got online and, and the financial mess I was in, it just felt like everything I'd been building to had been, like, really, like, fucked up and... uh yeah, it was even just talking about it now is hard to to say. Mm, Do you know I what I mean? Because it was bad. It was awful. Um, so that left me in a really, really low place. The people online would have had no idea because I I remember watching that play out from afar, mm. and it was just online. It was just kind of jokes and. Well, what you have to remember is they didn't know I'd lost a multi million pound deal that yes. week. They didn't know I had. Uh, a six-figure tax bill to pay. Yes. Uh, so that's happening behind the scenes. And that happened before yeah. the, before the DMs. So then the DMs happened as well. The icing on the cake was the DMs. Right. If it was just one or yeah, the other, yeah, yeah. you could say maybe, but when you're financially fucked and you're also trending on Twitter being called... I'm not even going to say the words, but, you know, the things people say about gay people that are mm. to hurt them, the things people, you know, you should go and do this, you should, you, you know. And people love to kick people on the way down, but what they especially love, and this is the difference, is if you're a vulnerable person publicly, you're seen to be, hmm, I don't know, let, let's let say you're, you're seen to be in some sort of subculture that people view in a way that's like, oh, poor them, I hope they're all right. I'm a... Big, strong alpha male. I look tough. I look like I can handle all the ridicule in the world. I'm br brash, cocky. You're like you know. So they people probably didn't think you know like. And also, when you're a man, you don't get sympathy the way women get sympathy when they go through revenge porn or anything mm. like that. You, it's not looked upon the same. And I just had to sort of think about it and take and go. Yeah, this isn't fair, but life isn't fair. So what the fuck do you expect, Brian? Like, you know, um, so I drank a lot of whiskey and uh, smoked a lot of weed that week, if I'm honest with you. Do you know what's so funny? <laughs> I remember I remember seeing it trending and I, I thought, go on his, Brian's account and see what he said about it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Silence. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that for me was really surprising. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people thought that actually, but I, even in the chaos... I act quite cerebrally. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I can be quite reptilian when I need to be to get myself out of a... You see, in diving, for example, in the moment of panic, in that moment of, like, I could fucking die here. I've been in those situations. If I don't act smart, I could, I'm in a, sh a shit situation here. I've got to use... I've got to pull my knife out, cut this rope, do this, do that. I'm used to thinking, like, in that way. In mm. a, so I just thought, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say nothing... I'm gonna have a have a have a night to think about this. Just just think about how I, I was. I felt awful. Don't get us wrong, but I knew I wasn't going to give up. But I, even though I wanted to kill myself, I also thought that weirdly, I think all the uh, the shit sort of it gave me something to resist. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It gave me because I'm a fighter in my heart. So I was like, nah, fuck you. Um, so um, within a day, I was like, okay, this is how we're gonna do this. I'm gonna get the two best piss takers I know, and I'm gonna get them to rip the piss out of me, make everyone feel like it's over and done with now. Because the minute you acknowledge it, laugh it off, and show that you're not frightened people will get bored, move on to something else, and they'll scratch the itch of saying... Because what they really want me to do is self-destruct. But if I show I'm brave, they'll respect that and then move on. What they don't realise is I was pretty fucking drunk during that whole episode. Really? Like, I was... It was We were recording 11am, I was on the whiskey. Like, I'd had, like, fucking two massive glasses full of whiskey straight. And then I was like, right, let's do this. And, like, because I knew they were going to be brutal, but I said, you have to be. You have to just say every worst thing, because then people will leave me the fuck alone, and then I'll really get on with my depression then. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So that's how I was, like, kind of, like, sensible in planning out my own self-destruction. Smart, yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> and I've spoken to other people about this when they've been in similar situations, like when Logan went through his thing and he was like, yeah, same. I just uh, drank a lot and smoked a lot. And that was, that was, that was really? what we both did, like, you know. So, yeah, so that after that happened, I then had to, um, okay, where do we go from here then? Um, and... I had a production company who were partnered with us at the time who agreed that they would carry the cost of the kickoff while we were looking for another sponsor. So that was very kind of them. Shout out to the uh, PT knows who he is. And um, we, don't get me wrong, those costs had to be paid back at some point. Mm. So every show is X amount of money. Every single fee, Debt. Uh, you know, and this is the thing that people forget. I've probably got the biggest crew on YouTube, really. So... There's like 15 people every show who need paid, and every every single time we do a kickoff show, that cost was building. My my tax wasn't going anywhere. I needed a fucking sponsor, big time. Um, so that was it. Was a bad time, you know what I mean? A lot of pressure. I think that was the thing. Pressure. I felt it from every angle, you mm. know. How how does how does that impact other areas of your life? I, I've heard you talk about the impact it had on your sleep which I think is something people don't yeah. think about enough. Cause I, f- I think sleep is probably the foundation of your mood, how you make decisions and everything in between. So. Uh, probably. Um, I, I still haven't quite mastered that. I think that's the thing that I think partly it's cause when you have your own business, there's not enough hours in the day. So you're always like late night being like, what else can we do? What else can we do? So I'm shit at sleeping. And like, as soon as I wake up, by the time I've made it the toilet for a piss, I'm thinking about what we need to do. Like, mm. I, it, so that's part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I drank myself to sleep to a point where I was more collapsing rather than sleeping, you know? And uh, it was awful, like. I'm going to play, just because these are the questions that come to mind. You're drinking yourself to sleep, but you're a smart guy. You know that that's not good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but at that point, I cared more about, uh, it was like a, almost like it was like a, a mathematical equation is like what, what what is more important right now me being like i didn't care about myself i just thought get through the days because so my mom died right this is totally side thing um previously to that and i remembered when i got through that i did a similar thing where i would just i drank myself to sleep for about a month at least. And I knew if I could just get a few weeks under my belt, no matter how I got through it, it would be easier. So I just had to get to that point. And I think 
I'm not re- recommending this, by the way, <laughs> but few people will go through the kind of week I went through. So luckily it won't be necessary. But sometimes you've just got to put distance between you and the event and daylight will slowly become uh, seeable. I'm not saying it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is yeah. It doesn't, but, you know, it sounds like kind it of... It looked good on the movies. Yeah, I can imagine, <laughs> yeah. It, for me, because if those issues aren't ever properly addressed, mm. then they kind of re-emerge or they, they sit there. They were, they, so I hear you, but there's a time and a place and right in the aftermath isn't always the best time to go and go, right, let's... Let's figure out what went wrong here. It was emotionally so distressing. I just thought, I am one of fucking... Every every waking moment was, they're all... Like, the, the whole thing, the finances, the tweet, the, the, all this bullshit. I couldn't... I couldn't address it at that point. I couldn't think about it at that point. I couldn't work out what had gone wrong or all of that. I just thought, get a fucking sponsor. Keep doing the shows. Drink yourself to sleep if you have to. Just get a fucking sponsor. Keep the money coming in. Because right now, without money, you're you're fucked. So fucked. Like, I'm homeless. You know what I mean? Like, the amount of bills that were crewing up and the amount of money I had, I was going to end up... Like, I was like, I might end up fucking wherever. You know what I mean? Like, so it really wasn't about, oh, let's go and work through my problems. It was mm. like, let's put some fucking money in the uh, bank here. Was there one day through that period which you remember as being the most agonising, one particular day? Every, no? every, every single every day. day. Every single day was just as bad as... It was like when my mom died. That was what it reminded me of. It was like I had died almost like... Every day I'd wake up. So when my mom died, I remember wake, when I'd wake up, I'd go, oh. And it was that first moment when your eyes wake up and, and you go, oh, it's real. It's, it's actually happened. And that's the moment where, when when my life had ended, it was that moment of when I'd first wake up, I'd go, oh, it's it's real, it's real. And then I'd have to get up and face the day, you know what I mean? And just try and block it out. When I'd go outside, I wore a cap. I'd try everything I could to, to hide who I was because I felt ashamed that I was the DM guy. Or I, I used to think of myself as like, a great podcaster, someone who had changed his life, brought himself from, and now I was like being like shamed, laughed at, all of that shit. So I just felt so like humiliated. You know what I mean? I just didn't feel like me anymore. When you said you woke up and you, the first couple of seconds, you thought it's real. Does that mean that your sleep was a place of peace or a place of escapism? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm asking this question because Tom Bloomfield from Monzo was sat there and he talks about being anxious and depressed for about two years. Mm. And he said, when I'd wake, and he literally said, he was here last week, he said, when I woke up for two or three seconds, I didn't know who I was or where I was. And <laughs> those were the best. And then he said, it would just come crashing back yeah. down. No, so the best time was when I was drunk before I went to sleep. That was the point where I really enjoyed it because I was like, Oh, it's like, I'm not even here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was the best time because then, then nothing felt, I couldn't feel anything. You know what I mean? That was ideal. That's why I kept going back there every night. But I wasn't a, an alcoholic or anything. It was that feeling that I was chasing, the I don't feel pain. Numbness. Yeah, that was the good bit. You, when your mother passed away, mm. you didn't talk about it? No, no. I mean, YouTube's a shitty place, isn't it? It's a horror, like, as I found out the hard way, you know. So, um, and also, she's just precious to me. So I, 
uh, I keep it to myself always. Um, I keep her to myself always. I've only talked about her once online, and that was the rebuild. Mm. Yeah. And even in even in that video, which I watched twice, mm. um, I still had no idea when it ha- when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was trying to pinpoint if there was like a, a change in you, or if, yeah. or if it was during your YouTube career, at the height of your YouTube career before, and and I thought it was you know for a guy that does really pour it out on the internet, and I've seen you, you know when the Logan Paul incident happened, I watched that video and you were pouring out your heart in a mm. way that was just remarkably vulnerable, mm-hmm. and that was just a secret. Yeah, but it, it's like um, it's like what I said earlier. I can be quite cerebral when I have to be and I can make decisions when I have to be pardon me for my own my own sake and here's the thing when you love someone more than anything else in this world that matters more than anything and where others would have capitalized on a sob story she was far too precious for me to share with anyone you know it wasn't about she was mine she wasn't there for Anyone else was just my mum. Do you know what I mean? And that's the way I, I plan to keep it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I've I've explained what she meant to us in that video and how much I love her. I always will. And I miss her every fucking day, bro. But um, it's just one of those things where I think to myself, certain things, I think, you draw the line online you know you have to there has to be some stuff that's for you and even if i say yeah my mom died and i loved her and she meant the world it was and i and i did try and give some ins and outs of what my relationship was like with her so that people could feel how much feel the love you know what i mean um i didn't want to give everything because I don't know, it's just too special for me to, to, to give everything, do you know what I mean, like that. And I think that's one thing that some creators could do with learning as well is like, what is, how much value does something has if you'll just share it with everyone? And I do think you got to pick and choose, you know what I mean, carefully, because once you give it, there's no taking it back. And that's the problem, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean, with YouTube, it's like once it's out there, it's out there. So, in that video, you say when you're, you've, I think you've just been fighting with, um, is it with Vlad's dad? Oh, with Vidal's dad. Vidal, yeah. Vidal's dad. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, you've, it looks like you've gone like 12 rounds with him or something and you fall over and you're back and, and you get <laughs> emotional. Cause, and, and he says, you know, that's what boxing does. It brings the, all those emotions out. <laughs> yeah. And you said a line, you said, I'm just a, a guy that misses his mum. Mm-hmm. Have you ever processed that? Um, yeah. A lot, a lot. Uh, I've truly faced, I know everything like about me that's good, bad. I really face up to my, to everything in my life. You know what I mean? I know where I've gone wrong. I know, I I really face things head on. And, and with my mom, I, I faced it more than anything because it was, it was a constant in my, it, it's like, Losing a parent, if you're, especially if it's an, it's an, if you're an only child and there's only one parent, it's um, so severe because it's like I try to describe it to someone. It was like one day I went outside and um, the whole world was full of water and people are swimming around in their scuba gear or whatever, going, "What? What? what everything's normal, Brian." I'm like, "No, no, you don't understand." Like, like the constants in my life have been like 
the sun comes up in the morning, I breathe air, you know, the moon comes out at night, my mom loves me. Those four things, like, are this is reality. So to remove one of those components, it blew my fucking mind, like, that she couldn't be here anymore. I was like, that doesn't make sense to me, you know what I mean? So... I had to face it, and I, and I really have processed it. As, as, and I think that's why I never felt the need to share it either, because I was like, you know, I'm at peace with with that as hard as it is. It's just part of my life now, and uh, and I and I feel like, as uh, people say things like this, but I, I feel like she's there. Mm. I don't I don't need anything from anyone to make me feel better because. When, when a mother loves a son the way my mother loved me, there's nothing anyone can tell me in this world about her, about about me, about us. So I don't need to share it, you know what I mean? Mm. You said you had one parent then? Well, my dad was, you know, around sort of, but like in and out there, you know. He's like, he's a, he was an old school guy, my dad, you know, like, like fucking shagged around, went to prison, just a wild man. Um... But I'm 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 okay with my dad now. I'm, I've just reached a place of like understanding that my dad's got bipolar disorder. He's uh, he's never gonna be quote unquote normal. Like he's just that guy. And uh, you know he recently had a, a suicide attempt, which I had to phone the ambulance for, and that. And it's like, what the fucking hell is this? Like you know what I mean? You're panicking, um, hoping he's gonna be all right. He then got sectioned again. Um, which this was this year, you know, and you, you uh, had to phone the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Um, he texted me basically a sort of a message that let me know what was going down, you know. So instantly got on the ambulance, and then you're panicking because the ambulance they're like, "Oh, COVID, COVID." I'm like, well, "You fucking just get there! Like, are you shitting me? Two hours it took them to get there, you know, two fucking hours." And, like, it was, like, a full-blown suicide attempt. Like, the pills were already gone, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, just, like, the, it, it's stressful, you know, um, when, when you go through that. And it was, I did a podcast about it because, you know, you don't really know what to do. Like, when my, last time my dad was sectioned, I was a fucking child. Like, so I'm now his next of kin. I'm his his parent now in this situation. So... He's mentally unstable. They're coming to me asking me for the answers. I'm trying to run a company and and do my YouTube videos. Hey, everyone, welcome back. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's fucking mental. And that's one of the weird things about uh, being a YouTuber is like, I know that people rely on me for their escape. But it's sometimes that's why, like you, you messaged me to do a podcast around that time. And I said, mate, I ain't doing a fucking podcast right now. I'm not in a, and I didn't, cause I just said, I'll just be fucking miserable. I mean, great start anyway. We're talking about <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> no, but, no, no. but yeah, I, I, I just knew I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, it's been a, me and my dad are all right. Like he, sometimes he just, um, he sees things from a different angle because he's got bipolar, so it's it's challenging, you know what I mean, to get him to see where I'm coming from sometimes. It's so difficult when, a, when eventually I think a kid has to kind of forgive their parents 
and start parenting their parents. <laughs> it's even kind of happened to me in a strange way because I think my mum, mm. I think my mum has bipolar. Dude, your mum's such a character. I've heard <laughs> stories and I'm like, yeah. yeah. I remember being young and, and being told that, well, I mean, the first one I wrote in my book is when she came to the school in her lingerie yeah. when I was like four or five years old yeah. because she wanted to put on a show. And then I, the right. other instance that sticks in my mind, there's one where she chased my dad through the house with a knife. And the third one I remember is being told that she had been locked up because um, they'd come to repossess her, her restaurant and she was stood in the street with a, a knife and she was smashing up her own shop mm. and there was police in the street and everything. Mm. And I, w I didn't see that, but... Yeah. We'll have to set them up for a date. Like a <laughs> no, but there is, you get to a point where you realise that my, I'm not going to have the perfect family yeah. that I see in the films and I'm going to have to forgive these people who were meant to be my idols and guardians for their own flaws. You know, and I just... Yeah, it's, I'm, I've made, I've, I've sort of... I've made peace with my dad's mistakes in life. Uh, it, it's difficult though, you know? You, you, you know it, it, it's a really long process of why don't you love me? Why won't you be like this? Why aren't you doing that? Why, you know? And as the years go by, you realize other people's parents are also fucked up, <sighs> you know? How many people can actually say they've got two parents who love each other in a great marriage and have been great parents? Most people I know don't have that situation. Mm. Even if their parents are together, it's a fucking shit show. So, yeah, people aren't, aren't perfect. And um, I think just accepting that is a good start in life. Mm. <laughs> you are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. Anxiety is a really interesting topic. I've been involved in this mental health company for some time now, mm -hmm. a tie, and I've just got really fascinated about the concept of anxiety. Oh, it's fucking horrible. Just, I, and I've experienced it as well. Mm, I've, I've, oh yeah, been there. Tell me about your experience with anxiety. Um, and when, and was it later in your life that you first? Uh, I think the first time I'd had anxiety was after my mom died. In the in the immediate, I didn't know what was going on. I just remember being in the room and saying to my mates, my chest is getting really tight. I'm, I feel like I'm struggling to breathe. And I was like, uh, and then, you know, the doctors hired us some Valium and fucking, I think I had that with some alcohol at the same time. And that, that was when the forcing myself to sleep sort of was, was started. But um, as I got older, um, I realized uh, through the YouTube thing, just like being known is is a really weird thing. Particularly, obviously, around that time with the, the fall of True Geordie, as I called it on the video. Uh, 
lots of anxiety and depression. Um, and it is just such a horrible feeling to go through because it feels very serious at the time. Yeah. But it, it, it is in your head, isn't it, really? You've been very open about your, and I don't want to continue on this topic because we've got a lot, of, lot to talk about. Mm. You've been very open about your de depression mm. and suicidal ideation. Mm. And one thing that I haven't quite managed to get over in your head is what you said earlier, where you said one of the things that actually made you hang in there was that people didn't want you to hang in there. And that's the fire yeah, in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I like, I sort of, there, there was a there was a tweet that was tweeted, tweeted at me. It's such a weird little confession uh, where a guy went, um, I've heard about your financial issues or whatever he said in his tweet, and it couldn't happen to a better guy. And <laughs> I've got like a dark sense of humour, and I sort of smirked at it. And, went, <laughs> and I thought, in my head, I thought, I know I am not beaten. Like, I just know it, and I, and I know I'm going to be rich, and I know shit's going to go come back around. So I just screenshotted the tweet and I remember thinking, I'm going to use that as like an air freshener on a Ferrari. Or you know what I mean? Like I have this like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I want to yeah, prove yeah. people wrong. Yeah. And, and, and I think that drive at the start was a lot of that was like, when I started YouTube, so many people were like, the fuck is this idiot doing? Like shouting on his camera and all that. So then all of a sudden there was that, that, that negativity came in droves, fucking thousands of tweets. Um, and yeah, it was sort of a weird like, oh, it's like starting the game again, but like on a different level. So I'm like, okay, now I'm fucked, but I've been fucked worse before. So like, it's kind of like, a, all right, let's let's use this a bit. So, but to sort of, uh, yeah, the depression, it's it's like it's awful and it's so negative, and you think about like. I was thinking about suicide on a daily basis at one point. I was, you know, I'm sorry if this is bringing people down when they listen no, to this, no. but, um, you know, I was really seriously contemplating it in in a way of like, here's what I would do. And, and, and when the anxiety attacks were coming over me, it was just an awful way of living. And I honestly don't know how I got through what I got through. Like, I, looking back at it, uh, it was fucking mental. Um, I've never been um, to that point. Mm. So when I hear people talking about it, it just, it's like incomprehensible to mm. me that you could get to the point where you think the best route is to end your life. So, yeah, I mean, looking looking at it at the time, I thought I had what was like situational depression where I'm in this horrible situation and that's why I'm depressed, which was partly true, obviously. But I was also chemically depressed as well. Like there was, what I now realise is through that, my mom dying, other trauma in my life, I definitely had chemical depression. Like I needed, I needed medication, you know. Um, but um, I sort of um, didn't believe in it, didn't want to do it, didn't think it would work uh, for me, you know. And also, like when you're a, a guy who's um, lives in his head and thinks you know, I'm a smart guy, yada, yada, yada. You sort of, you're worried it's going to change the way you think and make you a bit, what if it makes me dumber? <laughs> you know, some <laughs> something silly like that. Or you hear about other people's bad experiences on it, like fucks your libido, all of this sort of weird shit, puts weight on you. There's this all sorts of little fears. So um, it had to get so bad uh, before I would 
tried medication, but like one day it got bad enough where I was like, I, re I realized I thought I'm definitely going to do it soon. Otherwise um, I'm going to have to, I was like frightened almost like as a, kind of like as a friend of me, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I was frightened for me. Cause I was like, you're really going to fucking do this here soon. Like uh, the way I was thinking and the way my life was going and the way I was feeling about small things that really are like, you know, when people sort of push your buttons a little bit, yeah. the way that was making me feel was awful. Like I was shouting at my friends and my crew. And uh, when someone was challenging me in any way, the, the fear and the anxiety was bubbling underneath. It was just overwhelming. And I had like really bad nightmares and I'd wake up in the morning. And I remember just waking up one morning, just being like, oh, I really don't want to live anymore. And that was when I was like on the phone to the doctor and I was like, give us whatever the fuck you've got because I'm willing to try anything now. And uh, thank fuck, <laughs> you know. Um, so they uh, they prescribed us some antidepressants. And I'm really fucking glad I tried them, mate, honestly. You called the doctor yourself? Mm -hmm. One night, one morning? Uh, it was in the morning, I... It you was, woke up and thought, I need to call... Yeah, I just knew, I thought, I'm like... I'm, I'm, I'm a liability to myself here. And it was like the fear of, oh fuck, you're getting dangerously close. Like it, you, like thoughts become things, right? So like we, we know that because when we challenge our, um, channel our brains in an ambitious way, we can make magic happen. Mm. But also if I'm thinking negatively, I can go to the worst possible mm. place. And I really knew I was like almost manifesting it because it, I was spending so, I was, there was so many times it would pass through my head if, the, oh, well, I'll just kill myself. Oh, well, I'll just kill myself. Oh, well, like if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, it was, it was becoming an answer. It was becoming a solution to all of the problems that felt like they were mounting on my shoulders and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. Um, and when I took the medication, that was when it really dawned on me like, oh, that wasn't just because of what I've been through or it was, a, it was, yeah, post-traumatic stress disorder and all sorts of other shit, but it was also like a chemical imbalance probably in the brain where my serotonin levels were real low. Um, and, you know, I was desperate, so I'm glad I took them. I never see you meditate, go on holiday, relax, <laughs> chill out, go to yeah. the jungle. I was in the jungle and you, you messaged me and said, oh, I need a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, you look like you were having a, a, a whale of a fucking time. <laughs> um, yeah, but I am on like a treadmill, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm not quite at that point of um, financial, um, what I want from life financially. I haven't quite clinched that moment of Will you ever? Upset. Yeah, I will. I will. You think so? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think I have. Um, <laughs> you, you, no, but so it leaves, doesn't it? Just yeah, but we're at different points. You know what I mean? Sort of like um, financially speaking, um, I'm nearly there. I think I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, I've got a really good organized team now. Mm. Money is is sorting itself out, and it's like if I just carry on the way I'm going, we'll be okay. And then I can have those moments where I go. Now I'm going to rest. I'm going to enjoy myself. But yeah, I don't. I don't meditate. I don't, uh, you know. How do you relax? Um, glass of wine and um, I say a glass, a bottle of wine. <laughs> uh, but 
you know, um, were you ever taught how to relax? No, not really. I I feel like I don't really relax. Like the minute I put out something I'm really happy with, I get this feeling of like content. Like I'm like, oh, that's class. That that's a really good piece of work. That I'm really happy with that. But then like. 10 minutes will go by and that'll be when I'm like, okay, what, what we doing next then? You know what I mean? And I think like, you know, we have that in common for sure. And I no doubt that when, when I hit that point of where I'm financially secure, I'll still carry on being a bastard. This like is that. it. But <laughs> I will chill out more. I will, I will chill out more. And I'm already chilling out more since I started the antidepressants actually, like in terms of the way I behave, like all of those, I'm so much more in control of myself now. My anger, my ups and downs, like, you know, there everything's a lot more relaxed and, and I communicate in a way that's not as, um, like, you know, there's times where people have pissed me off and I would just not even look at them because I would be so frustrated that when I tell them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be able to look at them because I'd be like, I want to punch you right now. So I'm not mm. going to look, you know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd, I just exude anger. Even when I was trying to hold it back, it was there obvious and i don't want people who work with me to feel like they're working with a fucking lunatic you know what i mean so the the antidepressants have been a godsend and um that's really helped me communicate and now now if i have an issue i just sit down and i'm just honest and calm and i just go here's what's gone wrong here's what i think we should do better if you want to hear tell me what i need to do better i'm all ears and it's like i'm a different i'm a better person now you mm. know what i mean still not the finished article by any means got lots of work to do but it's just made me realize like my and it, it goes but ironically to to the trolls you know even even the trolls who gave me all that shit it's like when you're really unhappy within yourself it comes out everywhere and and that was really what was happening to me i was like and part of it actually made my youtube videos good because like the pain that like that fall of true geordie video uh, it, it was just, I just said to Lawrence, you need to fucking sit down and I need to sit down because I've got so much shit I want to say right now. And if I don't get this out there, I'm going to fucking explode. <laughs> so we're doing this. It wasn't thought out or anything. Um, but it brings, sometimes it's like that struggling artist thing, isn't it? it? People like that a little bit, like to feel like they're battling something. So mm. it makes the videos better. So it worked in my favor a little bit. I just, I've just come to, I mean, from my own experiences, I'm sure you've heard this, heard me say this before, just when I, when I was insecure, broke and striving to be rich and successful upon actually getting there, I realized that that was totally unfulfilling because mm. it just moves off into the future. And so when I, what I think I've come to learn maybe is happiness is in fact finding peace today, irrespective of uncompleted goals. That's definitely in my head as well. Yes. Yeah. That word. Peace today. Yeah, like in even in the last month, actually, I remember thinking, I only want to be around people who are who make me feel peaceful. If you bring drama, if you bring aggro stress, you can fuck off mm. because I'm trying to turn over a new leaf now mm. and not deal like. And I think a lot of people just did not realize, like, while they were heaping stuff onto my plate, because I'm the mountain of a man who can handle anything, apparently, that I was at fucking breaking point and mm. I just wasn't saying it, you know? Whereas now, I'm saying it. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, the other day, one of the lads in the team said it was, um, oh, um, it was about research or something, like, you know, for graphic design and stuff. And and me mate went, it was, um, 
oh, uh, it would help if you if you had a look. And I said, well, Joe Rogan's team tell him to do that. With <laughs> yeah. Oh, do your own research, Joe. You know, and, and now I'm just very much like, here's the standards. This is what we do. And, you know. And are you still, at, do you think, and this is what really what I'm getting at here is, do you think you're still attaching some happiness to the future attainment of some goal or, or yeah. and this is this is scary no this but, scares but me. It's, it's 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 healthy in a way because it's like i'm not under the illusion that the minute i hit the big number that all of a sudden i'm gonna um that will make me happy but the freedom that that number will then give me is what i'm looking for freedom from what Freedom, freedom of choice, freedom to do whatever I want with my life. Right now, I'm a slave to the game. The game for me right now is I've got the, all these shows, all these brands that I'm trying to build. I'm doing the fighting. I've got the kickoff, the football brand. I've got the podcast and other things I'm working on as well, like my poker and, and stuff and Twitch. I am on a treadmill where every single week I have to do, I'm contracted to do this show, this show, this show. I... I'm the most consistent YouTuber in the UK. It's just nobody really realizes it because it's kind of always been that way. I've always been that the guy, like even though I slowed the podcast down in terms of like the amount of videos I've been putting out, it's been insane from, for years now. Um, so I, I have to do them because I'm not at a point of financial freedom. And even when I am, I might still carry on, but it would be nice to have the option to go, yeah, I'm going to do this. And, and yeah, I'm going to interview that guy. Hey, if I want to interview a guy in America, I can stop the kickoff because I just don't want to do it this week. Or I'll let my other boys do it. And I'm going to go to LA and interview Joe Rogan. You know, mm. I'd love to have the, I can't do that. I'm mm. chained to my content. And I love my content, fortunately, and I love the people I'm around. Mm. But if I if I if if I didn't, it would be really hard. Got you. I've been, I've been thinking a ton about this. It's actually again the last chapter in in um, in the book I was writing, and I I think my conclusion. My my book's actually quite similar. Yours called Happy Sexy Geordie. Is it? No. Oh, where'd you get the name from? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that last. I was I thought so much about ambition, mm. and my conclusive point was when you realise that you are enough, and you actually don't need more money, or you don't need more external validation. That foundation is such a contradiction, right? That when you realise that you're actually you've got everything you need, then you then the result is true ambition. Uh -huh. Not ambition to impress girls with a Lamborghini, not ambition to prove everyone wrong, but you go after the things that you actually genuinely give a shit about. Mm. And when you get to the point where you are, you know that you're enough, then you start to go for things just for the sake of like the intrinsic internal feeling. And that's feeling. what I'm talking about, bro. Yeah. That, that's where I am. It's like, I know I want to get there, mm. but I'm not there yet. And, and when, when I get that big fuck off deal, that's insane. Mm then I can be like, I mean, unfortunately that'll mean more work, but yeah. um, there you go, right? but, but I'll have the money to then have that in, um, bring the plane into land eventually and go, okay, now what do I want to do? Mm. Um, ultimately, the funny thing is I'm doing what I want to do now. I'm just doing a lot more of it than probably physically I should be, you know what I mean? It'd be nice to have a bit more, Bigger, a bigger team is mm. really what I'd like to do is put, put invest more into the team and have like more people to cut, help me because mm. uh, me and the boys, we do a lot. It's funny because it feels like the snowball then gets bigger as it's rolling down. Yeah, the possibly. Add five more people, mm. then that means more brand obligations to pay for them. Do you know what it is though? It would make me so fucking happy to be 
um, I, I, I know this is like, I, I get why this is bullshit, but it's also like, it's enough for me. Even people from Newcastle have like underestimated me. Even people who should be championing me and supporting me are telling me I ain't shit. So just to like go beyond what anyone could even imagine, it would be such a fucking ride. And ultimately that's all I want to do at the end is look back and go, fuck me, I showed those cunts, didn't I? Like, and, I, and have a good laugh and spend time with my friends, make great videos. That's what I want to do. What, what what are your ambitions now? Then I don't think you've you know you've signed this deal with um, obviously Gymshark, which is great, and you've you've done a deal with Beats, which is great. You're over on Twitch now, Poker Stars as well. Poker Stars, shout out Poker Stars. Yeah. Got love yeah. Poker Stars. What is the big when you talk about that big you know vision that you have in your mind of where you will be in the you know, five ten years from now? What what is that? Um, I feel like I've um, I'm in a bit of a unique situation in that I want to kind of be the king of multiple different things and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that goes. Uh, I think I'm the best podcaster currently um, about, uh, aside from Joe Rogan. No offence to your good no, self. That's fine. So we'll just um, <laughs> I think you're very good. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, I want to kill the podcast game, but that's been something that I've had to... Uh, in the in in the past, it, when that shit happened, I, I kind of had to put that back and go, Where, "Where's the money going to come from?" And sports is a lot easier to make money out of, so I, I, I went full steam ahead with the kickoff. I think I've got something really special with the kickoff. That to me is the the future of football in terms of how people will consume it in the UK. That that show, the the brand, the kickoff, the. The, the personalities I've got there. I'm working on rebranding it right now. You know, Gillette Soccer Saturday is dying a death. I've seen it coming a mile off. So uh, Soccer AM is so fucked. Like, they've all piled... Like, there's... What that happening in that space right now? There's so many YouTube channels, they're faking their views. They, you, I know them all. They, they've got all the big brands... Budweiser, you're getting robbed. I'm just saying that right now. You want to check the fucking... Why have, why have certain YouTube channels switched the likes off, switched the views, switched the comments off? Because they're fucking buying views and stuff like that. What we've got is so authentic and real. My studio, I've spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on the equipment in there. We've, we, we've got something special there. So it's just about watering it and, and letting it grow. And if I build the team right, I think we could, like... No one can fuck with us. Like everyone's copying us. Everyone's copying the kickoff. No one can copy the kickoff. They're all wasting their time. All they do is make us look better. Hmm. They, their shit attempts at the kickoff make us look 10 times stronger. So with that one, I think we've got something really special there. And I'm surprised a, a huge brand has not seen that yet. Like an Amazon or, or a Google or, or whoever the fuck, you know, because all right, we swear on there, but we are killing it, you know? And and credit to Twitch, they did see it. And, you know, I, I'm proud of that. But the potential for that brand, I just think is enormous. I just, like I say, I've been through so many financial struggles while keeping that going. I haven't really been in a, a had a chance to put it in third gear yet, but I'm, we're getting there. Um, and then there's the fighting. I feel like, Thanks to Logan Paul and KSI, they've put me in a really particular position where I really know fighting, but I also know the entertainment side of fighting. And 
as as boxing moves towards that direction and and MMA as well, and my history of loving boxing and UFC, I can really nail down a special place in that where, you know, live stream wise, we're we're number one on fighting and football. How weird is it that there's one guy in the world who does a live stream on football and he's got the number one audience and fighting, mm. you know? That alone puts me in a really unique position without having to talk about the podcast where it's Ricky Gervais one week, it could be Kamaru Usman, UFC champion the next, Tyson Fury, Logan Paul. Do you think you've got the credit you deserve? I, I definitely don't, no. Why? Um, I don't know, I don't know. Um... I think, you know, I just did an interview, for example, with Kamara Usman. And the older I get and the wiser I get and the better at questioning I get and the, and the, and the better I get as an interviewer and leading the, the guest and, and taking them on that journey, my emotional compassionate side is really another gear that I have that other interviewers are just, you know, I've always aspired to be like Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan has things I don't. And I have things he doesn't. He knows everything about everything. This guy can talk to anyone. I, I just don't have that. But my emotional, compassionate side, my empathy, I think gives me something else. And on that on that interview, I got so many comments because it was one of the first interviews I've done, which was the same guest Joe Rogan had. I and, saw the comments. People and loads saying, of people going, you did a lot better. You fucking outdid Joe Rogan with yeah. that one. And I knew I did. And I don't mean that as a disrespect because he's like a god to me. But on that one, it really showed because I just did a totally different interview. And um, and I, I'm, Joe is always going to be the goat to me, but sometimes even the goat can be got and I can get him every every now and then. And I and I'm he, he's who I aspire to, to, to beat on every podcast, you know. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it's going to take. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm... I feel like it's because I'm working class and I don't necessarily... Like, some people just get credit thrown at them. Like, Mr. Beast, wow, you spent loads of money on a video. Uh, what's the other fucker who's always surprising his friends with cars? I don't give a shit. Like, with all due respect, y you don't impress me. None of you, like, you know, your creativity is bang average, you know? Like, I could turn up with fucking money and buy a car for a friend, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to tell stories, like, with the fall of True Geordie, with the rebuild, with the podcasts... Though that content is like I poured my heart and soul into it. I edited it with my uh, editor, Gio. Shout out to him. Amazing uh, editor. We sat together and did frame by frame. I do the grade. I fucking... The, everything. Like, every minute detail I care about. Why does my podcast look different to everyone else? Because I care. And I will literally go and go, right, we're going to do the grade. We're going to do the, the sound. That doesn't sound right. And I, I, every fucking detail I care about. So... It frustrates me that I'm not where I think I should be because the numbers are there, the deals are there, but the critical acclaim, for whatever reason, isn't there. And I guess it's because I swear and I'm not, like, mainstream worthy. Like, I'm never I'm never going to be the kid who Jonathan Ross invites on or, you know, I'm not... And I don't want to. I don't give a fuck about being well-known on telly. I don't want to go on it particularly. Um, and it's not because there's anything wrong with it. It's just... I'm happy where I am, you know, but um, 
I don't know what it's going to take, bro. Do you I think, feel like I've got to move a fucking mountain. No, I know. I, I, I was just thinking about it then because I agree with everything you said in terms of the influence you have. And I and you, I also agree that you are the best podcaster in this country. And really, you were the, one of the real pioneers of a certain style of podcasting, but also on the kickoff, right? You're a real pioneer there. But from what I've learned about company valuations and even how brands do deals, it's the way that it is packaged. Yeah, and... Look, I'm not greasing the wheels yeah. of these companies, and that's definitely a thing I need to do better because you talk about certain Branded. YouTube channels. Yeah, certain YouTube channels will take people out for dinner. They'll schmooze. They'll do all of that shit. And I'm clearly not doing that. Because, but, like, credit to the companies who have invested in me because I've just went, look, I'm the best. And, 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 you know, I learned how to do decks myself. I was, I've was i done decks. I do all my own decks. You shouldn't be. I, I, I sell, I, I, well, I've just hired a guy, so <laughs> he's going to do them from now on. Okay. But the point is, is like, I got, I've done all right. You know, I've yeah, done, you've done really well. I've, I've but done well. I don't, I'm going to say it, you're not getting the credit you deserve. Yeah, I'm, and, and it's, you know. And I, you're not getting the money you deserve either. Yeah. I, it's fucking frustrating, bro. Like you know, I, I don't know what money you're getting, but yeah. I know it's not what you deserve. No, yeah, yeah. Trust me, bro. <laughs> it ain't what I. No, I'm credit to the partners we've got because yeah. they've looked after yeah. us, um, particularly um, Gymshark and Poker Stars and Twitch. Um, I'm grateful for, for those people to be uh, partnered with us. But yeah, I, I I definitely feel like where where I am is not reflected. Um, but yeah, I need to do the, the, the schmoozing bullshit a lot better and, and the deck side of things, we've built that out and we're packaging up and branding wise, I need to be a bit more, there's a lot of rich old white dudes who sign the fucking checks who I need to be more friendly towards. I, I, and I get that. I don't even think you do. I think you need a bunch of rich old white dudes to be friendly with rich old white dudes. Yeah. And I think you should probably call your company like true, true entertainment. Yeah. You put it all under there. The minute, yeah. So when people, when they look at something, if they, if they value it as a YouTube channel, you're getting paid X. Yeah. If they value you as a media company, a Buzzfeed or a Vice. Well, well which I am. Yeah, you which, are, which I am. But you're not you know pres I mean? you're not packaged like that. Yeah. You're, you're packaged as a YouTube channel. Vice mm. is worth five. Like I don't know. No, it's what it was one point mm. five billion. Yeah. Like if you think about the influence and reach, you're probably up there with Vice. But you, you you're branded differently. You're branded as a YouTube channel. So and, and I've done all this on a shoestring as well, bro. This exactly, is like, yeah. I've been in like I've been in debt for the tax man. I got that rug pulled out from under me with the deal. I've had to scramble to get other deals. I had to pay off the production company mm. all the money I owed them. Yeah, you know, you know that one who kept us going after the deal. I had to pay them off, and then I went solo and got my own production company set up. So we are beginning which is the obviously the concept mm. where the promotion where the distribution we are a fucking media company it's just fucking frustrating because i don't know whose dick i've got to suck to get fucking <laughs> respect around here um but I'd, i should be a multi-fucking millionaire right now balling out of control I'm not balling out of control we I'd be, i should be going back down to the fucking audi garage no. yeah i'm pissed off and and i think that chip on my shoulder is a healthy thing in a way because it'll just keep driving me to get that respect i deserve and ultimately to get the money to look after the people i care about and that's that's the goal it ain't about like ultimately yes i've got an ego yes i want to be respected yes but i could quit all that as long as i get the money to secure 
everyone who all my team all of that you know what i mean and you 100 percent own your your formats absolutely yeah i pulled up on heineken because they used the kickoff trademark and said i want my fucking money really yeah shout out to heineken they paid me off oh did they <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they used the kickoff and um i was like the kickoff the european champions league night uh on with heineken and i'm like what the fuck uh tweeted them and uh and yeah i had everyone fucking oh can we make this go away and uh but to be fair the, the gaffer at heineken was cool as fuck well he better have been yeah you should sponsor the fucking kickoff yeah. <laughs> do you think you're happy now i want to i want to answer this honestly mm. I'm, I'm really really going there um no i wouldn't say happy is the right word but i'm closer to in the middle than i have been in a long time you know what i mean like that neutral point of like i'm not really happy but i'm also not low i'm, I'm heading up to like okay you know what I mean? I have more okay days than I have had in a long time since I started taking my antidepressants and stuff. That's really helped me sort of level out a bit. So, yeah, I'm definitely a bit better, but I wouldn't say happy would be the right word. And also, I don't, I'm don't. i not striving to be happy either. I think I'm striving for peace and content and um, just, uh, yeah, you have your happy days, you're also going to have your bad days. But it's like, I want to get to a place where I ride the storm and enjoy the good bits and appreciate them and know that there will be hard times again, but that I'm mentally equipped to deal with them. And that if I do have a, uh, a bad moment, that I don't want to kill myself or anything. That's sort of my, what I'm looking for. Uh, do, you, do you know what it's going to, the work, what work it takes to get there? Do you have any idea what it's going to take to yeah, get to that day? Yeah, I, I, I think so. But also I'm, I'm kind of think I'm one of those people that, I'm, I'm not anticipating an easy ride in life. I'd be a fool after everything mm. I've been through to think, but now it's going to go great, you know? So it's like, um, that's kind of why I search for money because I think money does solve a lot of problems and it can make life a lot easier. And it's it's not like money isn't the answer, but that can help a lot. You the know freedom I mean? it gives you. Yeah. I'm still super scared slash conscious about my relationship with money because I know that there's nothing you can do to take that kid out of me. Oh yeah, it, it will never leave me. Yeah, there's still bits of me, man. Like, yeah. I, I say a fast car, and I'm like, oh fuck me, yeah. I could yeah, really yeah. go for one of them right now. Bitcoin was taken off. I'm like, <laughs> oh, should I, should I get on the train? Do you know what I mean? Once every three months, I'll send my friends. One of them's over there, and my manager and my, my PA a picture of a Rolls Royce, <laughs> and I'll just be like, should I do Phantom. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, I'll do it five times a year. <laughs> I'll never buy it, but it's that kid showing up again, being like get fucking show them yeah and this yeah. I, all i've tried to do in my life is just be way more conscious of that kid in me but but this is the thing is like at this point for you everyone thinks you're way more loaded than you probably are anyway yes. so yeah, it's yeah, gone yeah. to a point where it's like <laughs> for you there's nothing left to prove you've you've yeah. proven it you know what i mean like you you're mm. and i guess yeah bro Credit to you, by the way. You've done a fucking good job. Oh, thank you. Mm. You're right I'm there. proud of you. Yeah, thank you, bro. I appreciate that. I hope you're proud of yourself as well. Um, I am. And you're right. I don't feel like I've got um, a ton left to prove to people. Mm. And that's what, I, that's what I was kind of referring to. And that, for me, has been a really good place to actually realise what I care about in life. Mm. Because before it was all trying to get laid, trying to get girls, <laughs> trying to get respect, trying to get followers, trying to get whatever. And when I was doing that, I was, re I was, getting, I was making myself unhappy, but I was self-destructing. 
when you finally get to the point where you realize that you are actually never going to be internally worth more. Yeah. You're never actually gonna be more valuable as a human yeah. being. No matter how much money I have, my value it, doesn't change. But insecurity is, 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 is it's, a, it's a gift and a curse, isn't it? It's like yes. rocket fuel. It's like before when I was talking about my podcast and how I'm underrated, you see the way I talk, like the passion. Whereas Joe Rogan ain't fucking talking like that. He is content. He is the king, like he has nothing there. And and also I kind of envy it because he's never been that way. He's never been, he's never come across as, I need validation. Um, and I, I know that's in me, you know what I mean? And it's not a healthy thing. And I, Do you think it's a good thing? <sighs> it, it's certainly fucking driven us. So I can't, I can't hate it all, but it's like controlling it. It's like the, the beast inside you and it? it's like, um, mastering it you know knowing when to let it go and like it's that same thing that will make me obsess over the quality of the content or you know the detail or the re research or and it's the same thing that when people let me down in a work situation i get fucking frustrated because i'm like why the fuck don't you want this as bad as i do you know what i mean but if they did they'd be me you know what i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm me there then but it's, it just drives us fucking insane sometimes, you know? I think it's about balancing that thing. And as you say, yeah. trying to master it, because you're, you're definitely right. It was like the fucking rocket ship that took you here. Yeah. But at some point, I think probably to fly, you've got to let go. Mm. And I genuinely think I've thought this from just watching from afar and seeing the similarities in me and you, mm -hmm. I've thought to myself, the day that Brian reaches his full potential, will be the day that he no longer gives a fuck about proving himself to people. Because I think then, I think then how you operate becomes a lot more healthy and mm. more, more productive and more effective. Mm. You're not being driven by these external forces who mm. clearly, you know, that don't want your best interest. You can be in control because you're not in control if, if there's that driving you, right? Mm -hmm. You're not actually, and I'm the same. I, as I said, I'm on the treadmill, bro. And, yeah. I, and, and <laughs> the, the day I don't need money anymore, that's going to be a scary day for the rest of the internet because because the content's going going to fucking change. Like I don't know what the fuck I'll do, but it'll probably one. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to let the fans down, and and I don't want to stop doing what they they love me for. But I I am a person who evolves constantly, and I'm always thinking and reevaluating and what you know what is this? What am I doing? Why am I here? All of that, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens then. I'm I, I'm excited to see if that gets, if that happens. You know what I mean? Like what I would say, what I will do. You're relentless, like um, Eddie Hearn. <coughs> yeah, yeah. He's one of the most relentless characters I've ever met, and he told me, you know, he's just working for that day to sell his to sell Matchroom. And I asked him why he wants to sell Matchroom if it's making him happy, and he goes, "Well, we were never supposed to be here." And it sounds a lot like what you say to me. And then he goes, "What I'm going to do is I'm going to sell Matchroom five billion, then I'm going to go to the beach and smoke my cigar." And I said, "Eddie, you're not." <laughs> no, but. Uh... Yeah, I, You're I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I, I, I get that I love what I do. and But like, take take Matchroom, for example, right? <laughs> this is me going on a rant again. I look at DAZN, I look at what Matchroom are doing. I'm like, you guys are fucking geniuses. This is great. Why are you not coming for me? Why, wh wh what are you waiting for? UFC had Joe Rogan. I've got a fucking huge podcast audience. Every video I do about fighting gets loads of views. My production quality my shows um 
you know, they've tried to copy my shows, no offence, but I know they, I mean, I can say the way they try to get a round table going, they got Joe Weller in there and stuff like that. I'm, I see what they're doing, good good on them, like, you know, it looked all right, but we just come for the real McCoy, pay us the money, and I'll, I'll fucking, I'll make you guys, I'll, I'll help you out, you know what I mean? There might be an issue of being dependent then on you, right, for brands, because if you're the main event, one day, if you decide to yeah, well, cut the brand... But or- look at what Joe Rogan did with the UFC. It, it was a perfect marriage. His podcast had the fighters on. He told the stories for the fighters. He helped promote them. They then go back into the UFC. They're now more relevant. Mm. They get more pay-per-view buys. And it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship there where you give me the fight. You give me Anthony Joshua, the new Anthony Joshua. You need to build him up. And I tell the story better than he could himself. I help make a documentary on him better than he could himself. I'm king of content and I help you out on that. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I've got all these fucking skills and I'm sitting here making my own stuff, but like with a budget, imagine what I, I made the rebuild. Me and two other guys made the rebuild. Like it was good, but imagine if I actually had a fucking Netflix budget, you know what I mean? Like, Why don't you take investment then? Uh, I I would consider it, but it would have to be from the right person who understood what the goal was and actually backed me. But unfortunately, because I've had those previous issues where companies have tried to um, get me to sign over my IP for fucking peanuts, um, putting a gun to my head and shit like that, and I've had multiple people try and do that, it's made me very wary, you know. It would have to be a big amount of money and a good, a good long-term partner. So, you fancy it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I genuinely, I've always looked at what you do, and you know this anyway, and mm-hmm. I've always thought that you you had been undervalued. Mm-hmm. And I tend to believe that, and because you do, you've been the king of what you do for a long time. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, you know this anyway. Um, I appreciate it though. No, but you know it's true. Mm-hmm. And um, other people who aren't as good, because they, they're packaged as, the, as these like big media companies, they're getting the big seven, eight figure Mate, contracts. It destroys us, man. Yeah. It destroys us. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I hear, I'm just gonna fucking say it. When I hear, fucking got a massive fucking deal with Budweiser or, or anyone. We'll bleep that bleep because they'll fucking take me to court. No, um, it destroys us because I'm just like, you guys are putting out shit content. You don't get any views. Mm. You, you Randomly, your, your video, vi- the views. one video's got 10,000 views. The next video's got 5 million. No one asks anything. No, no one at Budweiser double checking that. Like, I didn't know. And, and, I, and I'm sure there's some back scratching going on behind closed doors where, where someone went to Eton with his other fucking mate. And I'm not in, invited to these business dinners. But if you actually want to sell some shit and you actually want to make a fucking buzz and you want to kick us on the next World Cup or whatever, we we do the content. We are... Pisses us I off. I can tell Because we, me and my team, work so hard. It's not just me either, you know what I mean? We're, we're all, like, grafting constantly. My editor, for example, this kid works till, like, four in the morning fucking regularly, you know, to, to give everything. And um, and that's, someone's got to pay for that one day. Like, i got to get my end result from that, you know? We we do, because it won't... I'm very loyal to them, and, I, and we'll, we'll all deserve that. Do you know what I mean? That moment of, look at what we've built. You know, when I see Spotify signing... Um, they've just signed the girl in the uh, oh, America. Yeah, can, yeah. Uh, call her daddy. Yeah, right. They give her a fucking huge contract. I'm like, look at her views. Look, what the fuck am I doing over here? Like, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but um, do you think I'm right when I say it's because you've not 
packaged yourself as a media company that you're well i think call her daddy had a lot of help from barstool um, and obviously barstool being a huge company in america they packaged her well and and put her on the map and stuff and we've had to do every like you when you met me i was in a fucking bomb shelter bro <laughs> i i paid a toothless russian man 50 pounds a day for a sweaty bomb shelter because that's all i could afford when when i met you in 2017 because mm. a company had sacked me a company had let me go because they quote unquote i'm not brandable and they couldn't make money out of me because they couldn't sell me properly because of the way i was and I was on 50 quid a day paying rent for the studio. And that studio was fucking horrible. But now, Poker Stars, Beats by Dre, Gymshock, and Twitch apparently think I'm marketable. So I proved that fucker wrong, didn't I? Sometimes it does feel good to prove people wrong, Steve. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But that's not the goal. The goal, <laughs> the goal's the I'm, bank balance, yeah, but proving man. him wrong. When yeah, he said man. I wasn't sellable. Uh, I've competed with a company before when I was in the bomb shelter for a for a sponsorship, which was a six-figure sponsorship deal, and they were a 20 million pound company and yeah. I beat them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to say I've come up from nothing is the understatement of the fucking century. And I just, um, I, I need to get to that point where I'm content like yourself. I just hope and pray, and I think this is what I, I keep, you can hear me keep coming back back to it, is I just hope that you don't believe too much in you getting there and finally being completely happy and content. I don't. Okay. I don't. I'm, I'm okay. aware of what you're saying. Yeah. And I've had plenty of money before and I've, I've had, yeah. had the, the, the adrenaline dump of bloody driving a fast car and all that. Mm. You, you, you can live anywhere in the world. You can drive any car in the world. If the people around you aren't who you want to be around, if you yourself aren't content, it doesn't matter because I wanted to kill myself in in you know in a in a situation where many people would have felt like it was the best thing and all of that and i i'm aware of what you're saying i just want it all <laughs> i want the content peaceful happiness nice people around me and i want the money and it's a, it's life's a good ride and it so i might as well go for it <laughs> I think it's possible. Do you, do you know? You want to know something that's funny? Do you know what? During that um, that week of hell I had, mm. I remember um, I was just sat there. I was like, <sighs> I think I was having a whiskey at the time, and uh, this is what like a dark sense of humour I've got. I remember thinking, "Hey, this is so fucked, isn't it?" But what a ride! <laughs> like there was just a bit of me that was like, "This is a fucking story, and it? Jesus." Sometimes, like you know what I mean. Like, Step out of yourself. Yeah, you just gotta laugh and go, "Hey, my life is not fucking boring." If anything, like it was like, you know, gotta laugh at it. Sometimes, haven't you? Your fitness stuff at the moment. I've been getting very into health and fitness. Yeah, last... yeah I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, you're looking shredded. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on his friends. On his close uh, friends. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that. I say the stories other people don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Is that getting cut yeah. as well? How, how's that? How's that um, impacted your life? Just having, you know, you've started boxing and you've yeah. started working out a lot, and you're looking good. Thank you. Yeah. So how's that had an impact on your mental health? It's be honest with me. It's it's great in terms of like making you feel better and and you have a great workout and you get the endorphins and stuff. But also weirdly, there's the um if I have a bad week, I feel worse about it. Like if I have like a week where I haven't trained or I've put weight on and stuff like that, it makes me go oh, fuck. 
I'm letting myself down here. You know what I mean? I need to fucking sort myself out. Supposed to be a Gymshark athlete. You know what I mean? Like, so now there's more pressure on it, if anything. But um, are you going to fight? Um, You've got to fight. I don't know who because you're gonna massive. Fight. But. I think I might do something like a charity boxing match at some point. Something that isn't like what the YouTubers do. I'd rather. I, I, I'm I'm sparring quite a lot now, and I'm getting some like heavyweight sparring in with like I'm going to get some pros to spar with me and stuff like that, and really push myself. I feel like what a lot of these YouTube boys do is they call someone out and then learn how to fight, mm-hmm. whereas I'm actually just learning how to fight <laughs> first because I enjoy it, and and also because I'm dedicated to what I do. Like if you look at my analysis on fighting three four years ago when mm-hmm. I did Logan Paul KSI one or Joe Weller KSI, and then look at what I I can do now when I break a fight down it is fucking so much better now and I think a lot of the to be fair a lot of the boxing and MMA fans although they, they always disagree with you I think a lot of them are recognizing like this guy's getting punched in the head just to learn fighting so he can do better videos and that's real dedication so that's my actual goal to be better on camera but I do love fighting for whatever reason it just brings out this all the things about me that I've probably showed in this podcast are um, that they come out in the in the ring when you're being challenged and wanting to quit but keeping going anyway. Like I think every entrepreneur has that in them. Really, they're all fighters. They're just doing it in a different way. But when you're in a boxing ring, it really brings that out of you, and um, it gives you some sort of self worth and self esteem. Because I I got that when I was at my lowest point, really, my depression. Um, like all of a sudden it was like, yeah, I am tough. I, so I'm not just a big lad. I'm hard as fucking nails me, you know, and it g- give me a lot of, give me a good thing in the, in the time I really needed it. So if I was to do a, a fight, it would probably, I'd rather do it like a social club where everyone's getting pissed, drinking pints and I live stream yeah. it on my own channel or something and, and donate everything to charity rather than making it a like a uh, spectacle. Yeah. I, and I'd rather fight a real amateur fighter who I respect, he respects, no trash talk, shake hands, we'll have a pint together afterwards. Mm. And, you know, just something like that, really. You, When you were going through that depress- depressive period and you started boxing, I noticed that you stopped podcasting as much. And you mm. talked about how that was to do with money, but I... I yeah, to- it was also mental health. Yeah, I, it's hard to do a two-hour podcast. Even now, I'm I'm, I'm in a much better place now, mm. but it's still, it comes out. It, we, I don't talk about it because it was my state of mind and obviously this is a podcast about my life. But um, when you're really rock bottom, I could get on and we do these uh, comedy videos for those who haven't seen them called True News where we basically look at the, the news and we just r- rip the piss out of it. And, um, you know, people like Piers Morgan and the like, they get... They get a lot of stick off us. And um, I can do that because we can edit it down. It's it's me and Lawrence. We're laughing and joking. And then afterwards, you know, you, you, you switch off and you go back to being normal. When you're podcasting, there's really no way to hide. And that's what I love about podcasts is like you really do get a good idea of who someone is. If they podcast regularly, it's hard to hide. It's hard to pretend, you know. And that's why I didn't do it because I knew I couldn't lie to the – I didn't want to lie to the audience. I didn't want to – I'd rather come out and do like a month later and when I'm feeling up to it and tell them what I've been going through. So for example, when, like I say, like when my mom died, I never mentioned it. Or when, when my dad went through um, his um, suicide attempt, I only did a podcast on it once. I'd 
knew he was all right. And once that moment had been and gone, um, it's, it's difficult when you're a podcaster and you're living a life to, to, to pretend like this isn't happening to you. You also turned off all the comments on your social media channels. Wait, yeah. I just I was just thinking then, I was like, yeah. I realised I can't respond to your tweets anymore <laughs> or I can't reply to um, Instagram. You know what? Uh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's something no YouTuber ever does because it's bad for engagement. And I did that on a couple of YouTube videos as well. And they still trended in the top 10 in the world. And I realised, well, that's bollocks then. Oh, you need comments for engagement. No, you don't, actually. Um, and, you know, when you're watching something on Netflix, you're not like, I need to comment on this. So why why is the comment such a big deal? But mainly, uh, I got to a point where mentally I realised this wasn't helping me. And for all I get lovely comments and, and shout out to the fans, you know, you, they, they make us who we are. The negative ones were so... Um, nasty at times it made me just think i don't need any of these and there's that old fucking poem um is it rudyard kipling treat these two imposters just the same you know treat treat people who 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 praise you and people who criticize you i i just thought you can all keep your comments because i'm going to do what i'm going to do regardless to be honest with you you your the numbers you're watching it cool but for my own mental health I don't want to hear it, right? Watch it, enjoy it, don't watch it, don't enjoy it, vote with your feet. I don't need to read this stuff right now because it ain't helping me. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, even people in my team were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. And I was like, bro, if you're going to sit and troll through these troll through these comments and delete them all hours of the night, cool. But if you're not, I'm turning them off. And it's it's really helped me that. it's Because it's like, I put a tweet out, I put an Instagram post out. I put and and and, and I'm not going. What are the comments saying? What are they good? Are they bad? Are they, I just go fuck it. Do you know what I mean? Like the video is the video, and that's who I really am because I truly. I don't want to sound like it's it's a weird thing to say. I don't give a fuck, but like I do give a fuck in a way. <laughs> if that makes sense, like I want you to enjoy it. But if you don't enjoy it, cool. But if you're then going to try and insult me for it or say anything bad about me, I'm not interested. You know what I mean? Because I know I'm a good person. I know I look after the people around me. I know I've got a lot of qualities and I don't need you guys tearing me down right now. So that's sort of the way I look at it. Just It's so, it's so one would say it was, it's not surprising to me because I think I've, I've spent a long time pe talking to people on this topic, but it would be surprising to someone viewing in thinking, you know, True Geordie, big man, you know, says he doesn't give a fuck, swears down the camera all the mm. time. And then for him to be affected by the comments on Instagram, weird, it feels like a, it, it, it feels, it's not, but it feels like a contradiction, doesn't it? To, 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 to the outside person who's viewing in. But then you, as- you, you, Okay, so to be absolutely brutally honest then, to really narrow it down for someone who might think that there is a contradiction, it's like, um, I don't mind whether you like me or hate me. I'm actually fine with that. But if you insult me, that will hurt my feelings. So I'm choosing not to listen to either side because I truly don't care if you like me or hate me. You know what I mean? I don't care. I just don't want to hear it because then I will care. Yeah. And, and I don't want to have to do that. 
And that's the truth, you know what I mean? And I'm comfortable with that reality of some people will like me, some people won't like me. And I think to be as honest I have from day one and just be like, fuck it, put it out there like that. I'm not, I'm not trying to make people dislike me. If anything, I want to make people enjoy life, forget about their problems, have a laugh. And it's probably as passionate as I've come across here sometimes. I'm really like a lighthearted person. And, and surprisingly, I think one of the main things people say about me when they get to know me is I'm actually really chilled out mm. off camera. Mm. But when the camera comes on, I know it's time to fucking do what I do. And mm. it's like the volume goes up mm. and the opinions become more powerful, more passionate, more in, uh, um, definitive. You know what I mean? And I don't know. That's just what I've learned to do. Mm. Yeah, it's what I've come to learn about you as well. I think the first time I met you, I remember thinking, God, this is such a, such a soft, um, <laughs> nice, kind gentleman. I'm, I am, I am soft as shit, actually. But then there's this, there's this exterior, yeah. which is, can be quite, can be quite like aggressive at times. And it comes back to what we started the podcast on, really, is, it's that two sides to me. Like, and I kind of called it my mom and my dad, but yeah very much so like there's my mom's side of me which makes me the care and compassionate interviewer who can pull things out of people i think other people can't and make people feel like it's okay to share that and then there's the arrogant show-off who has a huge ego sometimes and uh that is my dad's qualities you know coming out in me and um I'm I, I'm lucky to have both of those, you know, because it is such a weird combo. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, is that it? Yeah, yeah that's think? it. Yeah. No, I I genuinely I've been fascinated by you for, by you for so long, and the more you shared and the more vulnerable you've been online, the more it's it's all started to make sense oh, yeah. to some degree. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And and I'm 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 looking forward to see where we go with it, you know, because I want to dig deeper. I want to I want to. I want to be even more vulnerable. I want to. I want to go further in the future. But I got a. I like to grow as a person and then let it come out, like in stages. Because mm. you know, like you know how people like us, we sort of we're mulling things over on a daily basis. Like, who am I? What am I becoming? Is this the direction I want to go? In? All these fucking questions. And when you do that every single day, and you're laying a brick in the house that eventually becomes mm. like the person you are in your life. Three months to someone like that is a lot they can do a lot so yeah i, I feel like we can I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to finding out that direction and and hopefully making a shitload of money as i said that's the if anyone any i know a lot of investors listen to this podcast yeah. if you, if you uh, info at truejordy.com if you want to well, we'll, we'll end it there but no i genuinely do you know crazier thing crazy things have happened from yeah. people that have listened to this podcast so i know that a certain big brand got a very big deal off the back of... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, big. Yeah. Probably worth uh, nine figures. So Whoa. from from okay, the, from then the guy I'm on the right here. podcast, finally. <laughs> yeah. No, but finally, I came here to do you a fucking favour, <laughs> yeah. but it could work out for me. No, but you have. You've really done me a favour because, you know, we just for anyone that's listening, we had a, a guest um, move till next week and... Bloody um, Ben Francis. <laughs> Honestly, if I wasn't his favourite employee, <laughs> I'd better be now, I tell you. Like, I texted you, I think, yesterday or the day before and you've, you know, moved things around to be here, so I appreciate that and I Sorry, owe you a big mate. big favor but um and you didn't have to you know what I mean we're all very busy so I, I do honestly appreciate no, that I've always we've always got yeah. on all right mate and um and I, I've always um you I like obsessive people who are pushing themselves to the limit and uh 
I, I appreciate what you're doing and you've always been respectful of the, the space that we're in mm-hmm. because I feel like you're trying to bridge the gap a bit between mainstream, hence mm. the TV show yeah. and all the other stuff, yeah. but also the space that I come from. And uh, you don't talk down to people who are on this side and I think mm. there's a lot of people who are in the mainstream who sort of, they just don't know what the fuck we're doing over here and by the time they do, it'll be too late and they'll be swallowed by this industry so i'm coming for your job i agree man and i do not i i look at you as a businessman yeah. and i genuinely and i'm sure a ton of people watching this will as well i just see and i've always you probably know this i've always seen a massive opportunity because i do think what you do represents mm-hmm. the future and i also think the way you present your content and not having the filter also represents the future mm-hmm. because the reason we have watershed and this and the bbc are so scared of everything mm-hmm. even though i'm now on the bbc is um uh, is because they uh, is because of the medium in which we deliver the content. TV. But, but look and at Sky. Schedule. Yeah. If you look at Sky social media, yeah. they're trying to copy us every step of the way. Now they mm. they're trying to do what we do. You know yeah. what I mean? And and that's a compliment. And they're you know? pulling YouTubers in from oh mate, these all, shows. All, all the time. Yeah. But when Sky set up their own version of the kickoff, that was the ultimate compliment. And when it went down in flames within two years, it was an even bigger compliment. We're going to end the podcast here, but we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk offline about you know if there's any way. Now I'm a free agent. Maybe there's some way that I can help you get the value that you've. Um, oh man! Imagine, so, imagine yeah. you were the guy who finally yeah. sold True Geordie to the mainstream and made it all happen. Yeah. If you can do that, then you'll really prove yourself. But we'll leave that. We'll we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll let Steve Bartlett go and do his Dragon's Den thing for now. Okay, but bro, if you really want to see if he's good, can he sell True Geordie? <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a challenge. I love, yeah. I love how I'm playing with your ego. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Just to say it. You know me as well. I'll be, like, I'll be going upstairs. Like, oh, yeah. Now, well done on the Dragon's Den. I appreciate Den, it, mate. Thank That's you, bro. amazing, isn't it? You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.